born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. It's one thing to say, well, I can serve God in the mountains. Yes, you can, down at the beach. That's why sometimes, how's your church going? Well, it's up and down, it's up in the mountains or down in the beach. <laughs> and... Uh, but people that need to understand, you strengthen yourself and you help strengthen others by your coming together. So he says here in verse 31, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. Rejoiced. You see, this is a, a peace of mind because you don't have to keep the law. But when you teach somebody you must keep the law, then it confuses it produces questions, and it causes people to doubt their own salvation, and that weakens their, well, it weakens their ability to persuade others to simply trust Christ as Savior. So it gives them a confused message, and therefore they're not as strong as they ought, so they're not going to serve God the way they should, because they don't know what to say, because they're confused. And then they begin to serve the Lord not out of joy, but because they're trying to keep the law to prove to themselves, I really am saved. I really am saved. Why do you know? Well, I go to church and I do all these things and I stop all that. No, no, no. Just take God at his word. You trust in Christ as Savior. He said, I have eternal life. Whew, I can rest in that. I'm so glad I do not have to prove that I'm saved by how I'm living my life. Because who's the judge of my life? Me? Do I get my assurance from me? I mean, God didn't send me a telegram in the mail saying, I've watched your life. I guarantee you are certified. Here's your receipt. Here's your certificate. I'll stamp you on the head. <laughs> I know I'm safe because God's word says so, and it hasn't changed. So anyway, look in verse 32. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also in themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words. And here's that word. You ought to underline Confirmed them. In other words, it's like Donald Trump going to the Middle East and confirming the alliance that we're supposed to have with our allies. Or going over there to NATO and telling them, you guys pay up or you're at it. No, but you're trying to confirm that we're, we're together and I've got, got your back. And so they can, whew, America's behind us again. But whenever it's not there, it causes confusion and uh, it doesn't look so. Well, this is what this Bible is talking about. Confirming those, you know, securing them. And this is why you got to have camps all the time. That's why you got to have college. That's why your kids got to come. They got to keep listening and keep learning. It's not that I did it one time. Like I read, I read through the Bible one time. Oh, that's nice. 
It's not how many times you've been through the Bible. It's has the Bible been through you? You don't know the Bible until you live the Bible. You don't know the Bible just because you can quote the Bible. Knowing the Bible is obeying the scriptures. That's where you prove, I know the Bible. When you can live the Bible. Otherwise, it's just knowledge. Not necessarily wisdom. Wisdom is the application of the knowledge to experiences in life. But now notice, he says in verse 33, And after they had tarried their space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. See the word consolation? See the word peace? Why? Because you don't have to keep the law. And so that's what it produces. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again, visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. And you see those words? You ought to underline those. See how they do. See how they do. How are you you doing? This is why I used to love traveling on the road because I get a chance to see some of the places where I have led people to Christ. And I see people here. and And every state that I've ever been to, I've got somebody I've led to the Lord. And so I got them all over. And I enjoy getting letters. I had a guy call me yesterday from California. No, well, a couple of days ago. And uh, he wanted to have a copy of some other stuff because he's in California and he wants to be able to, you know, teach some of the stuff. So I gave him where the notes were and I could find them on YouTube and all that. And so, and I thought, that, 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 that's wonderful. That is simply great. And then I got another letter. I got two of them I'm going to read this morning in church. But they're just, you know, so neat. But you're always trying to strengthen those that already know the Lord. And if you didn't win them to the Lord, (laughs) get that. Anybody who knows the Lord, if they're in your presence for a while, you ought to try to make them stronger in the Lord. Teach them something. Brag on the Lord. This is one of the reasons, and I'll just mention this to you. I like that little ditty that I did on the, um, uh, I'm, I'm just living a dream. I was telling Betty on the way up in the car today. I said, it's just positive. It's positive. There's a lot of things just negative, negative, negative. But to me, I'm just living a dream. And you can if you dwell on the things of the Lord and you look at your life as though it's God has blessed me here. He's blessed me there. He's blessed me. You say, oh, she said, yeah, sometimes there's like a nightmare. (laughs) And there's times in nightmares, but the good things have overridden the bad things. So God is good to you, but there's some things that you have to go through in life. And uh, don't we appreciate sleep? And we're still alive? But haven't you had some bad dreams too? Yes, scared me to death. I'm always drowning. I'm always drowning. So I said, I'm never going to take another bath. No, I didn't do that. But I noted. Look what he says in verse 36. He said, let's go and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. Now, how could two good, godly men not see eye to eye? Well, Barnabas, he wound up going his way with John, Mark, and Paul inside. They went another way. And we never hear about Barnabas anymore after this. doesn't mean he wasn't used and didn't accomplish some things, but uh, God. And what were they doing? They were going back again to strengthen the brethren. And here's two strong brethren that needs, somebody needs to be strengthened between the two of them. And so he says, Paul says, I don't think it's good to take them. But 
That's his uh, temperament, and uh, Barnabas was not that way. In verse 39, the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. Years later, toward the end of his ministry, he says, uh, and bring Mark with me. He's profitable. In other words, Barnabas must have done something that strengthened Mark because at one place he quit. Now he's, he's back. So Barnabas might needed to have spent some time with him and strengthened him, and now he's, he's ready to go again. But for Paul's sake, he didn't want a weak brother traveling with him because his goal was to strengthen the brethren, and he needed a good testimony, a good example of somebody who wants to get that done. But so there was a reason. We don't know it all. But look at verse 40 now. Paul chose Silas, departed, being commended by the brethren unto the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, and here's those three little words, because it really boils down to strengthening the brethren, as it says in Acts chapter 18. So he's strengthening the brethren. This is what God wants us to do. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And notice, though you may have trusted Christ as your Savior, if you still can draw breath, you still have a purpose. And that purpose is to serve the Lord. Now look what he says in verse 7. This is uh, Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, but unto every one of us. Now, one of us, that's every individual. That means you. That means me. It's everybody, but to make sure you understand, every one of us is given Grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, see, we've all trusted Christ as our Savior. But the ministry that God has given to you and what he wants you to do is a gift from God. Because this is something and the reason why God left you here. Because God has a ministry for you. He wants to use you. So whatever that is, is for you to find out. And you'll find your ministry when you start serving. Do what you can with what you have where you are because God has given you the grace that you need. That's the strength and the desire to do whatever it is God wants you to do. Now, you can diminish that desire. You can lose that desire. Just like the Bible talks about Demas, he hath loved the present world and he stopped serving God and he went to the world and Paul had to suffer the consequences. But Paul, he served the Lord all his life. But get what he says. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, according to what you do know, obey. The same principle is taught in the book of Philippians in chapter 3. Walk according to the light you already have attained to. In other words, whatever you do know, whatever right you know, obey that. And then if you'll do that, then God will give you some more. Have you ever seen people that can come to church and for years never do anything Never grow. It's because you've got to obey the light you already have in order for you to get some more light. See, God doesn't need to keep giving you light. That's why he says in the book of uh, Hebrews in chapter 6, and uh, we will go on to maturity if God permits. You see, the reason some people cannot go on to maturity is because of unbelief. When you don't believe what God's word says at that point of the light you have, so therefore, you will not obey that. So why should God give you more light and more light and more light when you won't obey it anyway? 
So you become blinded, hardened, and you cease to grow because you cease to go. Hey, that rhymes. I ought to write that down. So if you want to keep growing in the Lord, you have to keep walking with the Lord. And you have to keep obeying the Lord. So God wants us to be strengthened. So we try to encourage people to do right. And some people will, and some people will not. And it won't matter what the preacher says, what the Bible says, it won't matter. I will not, I will not. Remember that um, TV series that you have on about O'Gillian? You can't make me, you can't make me, you can't make me. And they make him. And he always wind up doing this anyway. Now look what he says. To the measure. And now look in verse 11. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, he gave these leaders to the church. Why? Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. That word means for the equipping of the saints. To equip the people so that you can be able to use whatever it is God has for you. Now, I have no question, no doubt in my mind that God wanted me to be a preacher. I didn't know that until I started doing it. And some people say, I'll remember the day when God called me to preach. And I used to hear preachers say that all the time. God called me to preach. And I think, I wonder how he does it. Yoo-hoo. God calling me to preach. I'm not against it. I just didn't understand it. And I didn't know when he's going to do it. I, I wanted to preach. <laughs> but I didn't want to do it unless I was called. Because I didn't want to do it against the will of God. So I waited and waited and waited. But I wanted to preach. But I didn't want to do it in the energy of the flesh. As though my old sinful nature wanted to preach. Well, I don't know. And so I went to the preacher at Northside Baptist Church years ago, about 1962. And he had just preached a sermon on how God had called him to preach. And I walked up to him. And he was standing right down in here in the church And I walked up to him and I says, how do you know when God calls you? I thought that's a very good, I'm ready, man, he's going to give me, he's really going to, I'm going to walk out of here, I'm going to know. He says, when he calls you, son, you'll know. Okay. When God calls you, you'll know. Okay. All I know is I'm going to go ahead and do it. And if he doesn't want me to do it, then he'll have to stop me. And so in 55 years, he hasn't stopped me yet, so I'm going to keep on preaching. Because I believe that God's word tells me my responsibility. So if he tells me and I heard it, he must have told me something. So I want to obey the scriptures. Now get this. He says in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Now get this, for the work of the what? So part of my job. Is trying to get everybody a job. That's why I always say, create jobs, create jobs. Get kids to go to camp, create jobs. Create responsibilities. Let there be this and this and teams and, and co-campuses and this and blah, 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 blah. And you've got a whole, you know, organizational structure. 
You try to do the same thing with a psychology. Everything that you're doing, you want to create jobs. And then you got to try to figure out, okay, now, we have a ministry. But the job is not to build the ministry. We want to use a ministry to build the people so that the people become strong. You can have a 1,000 people in a church and nobody's strong. You've got people in a tent. That doesn't mean that they're growing in the Lord. Well, we're growing. Our church is really growing. No, you're, numerically you may be. But just because you're getting more people, Christ had multitudes. But when he preached something, I don't understand that. You read chapter 6 of the book of John, and multitudes left him. Why? They weren't growing. They didn't understand. They didn't get it. And so I would rather have 100 people that get it and grow strong and eventually do something than 1,000 people who don't get anything and don't grow, don't do anything. So you're always working on it. The key is to get people strong in the Lord. Grow them stronger. Because sooner or later, see, one of these days, you're not going to be around. Where's Hank? Have you seen him recently? Now, I just had Jim Sizemore just brought in a great big old box of Hank's sermons. And so I'm going to have fun listening to some of those. Got a whole box of them. But Hank's gone. But now, the people that he won to Christ... Do you think Hank wants those people that he led to the Lord to grow in the Lord? That's why he got people to go to Bible college. Because you want people to grow strong in the Lord. That's why he started the Temple Bay Bible College. But you can't make people go even though they had it and they had to close down because there's no students. That happens all the time. But sometimes because you have people that can interrupt and destroy what you're doing. And you'll have that all the time. A lot of the problems that I've experienced over the years is really from most of my friends who stopped being my friends. And the way to hurt me is either attack my family or attack my wife or attack me or attack the ministry and blame, and then try to destroy what you're doing. And what are you doing? Well, I just want to win people to the Lord and challenge people to serve the Lord. Win them, train them, challenge them. Because you want them to be strengthened in the Lord. And are they as strong as they ought to be? Well, this is why the book of Ephesians is so important in this matter. Look there in verse 13. Till we get this, all, whether it's the pastors, the prophets, the apostles, the teachers, the evangelists, all including us and them. Because when you teach the word of God, it strengthens the teacher. It's just like, for example, here we've got Peter Mott over here teaching in the college. I'd venture to say that him teaching in the college not only is a blessing to the kids, but he learned more. All the preparation, the studying, the notes, the discipline, he becomes stronger by what he's doing. Well, this is what he's saying here. Till we all come into unity of the faith, means we all believe the same thing. He says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, or a mature man, Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we want every person to be and meet the measure of what God wants a person to be so that they can do what God wants them to do. Because, you see, what you do is going to be a result of what you are. If a man is a policeman, you think, that's well, that tells you what he does. Fireman, well, that tells you who he is, but it tells you also what he does. You're a Christian. That should tell you what you do. Should a Christian live like a Christian? Act like a Christian? Talk like a Christian? I think so. And so you notice, he said the reason in verse 14, that we henceforth or from now on 
Be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of, see that word, doctrine. You're wishy-washy. You don't know what you believe. You don't know how to explain what you believe. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. There are people who are trying to deceive God's children. And a lot of churches cannot win people to Christ. So they have to steal them from somebody else's goldfish bowl. They can't produce the fish, but they want to now educate the fish. And so they think their education is better than your shallow soul winning. But without us, they can't exist. It's just like I've said this before. Republicans can exist without Democrats. Democrats cannot exist without Republicans. Because they can only exist in socialism until all the Republicans' money is gone. There's more there than meets the eye. But, um, now, look what he says there in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. And notice in verse 10. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren. See those next words? Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Do you think God wants his children to be strengthened in the Lord? Strong in the Lord. That's what he's talking about. And in the power of his might, strong in the Lord. For the Lord is strong in your life that you can trust him through all the dark days in your life. When the devil is after you. I mean, when everything's falling apart. Are you strong? Are you strong? Can you handle it? I can't handle it. Yes, you can. You and the Lord can handle anything. Cast all your cares upon him because he can't do anything about it. No, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And not only that, he cares. Lust like God said, oh, I care about you, but I can't help you, bud. You've seen that little commercial where the guys, people are laying on the floor. The guys come busting in there and they got masks on. And they look up and says, do something. He says, I'm just a monitor. That is so neat. I love that illustration. I'm just a monitor. Uh, there's a problem. <laughs> there's, a of, there's, a, there's a problem. And so you're going to have a problem. But it's nice to know that God is not only able He's not just a monitor. He can solve the problem. End of class. I do want to explain this to you. Nobody's perfect. There's only one that's perfect, and that's God. Let me show you this. This hand represents you and me. This wallet represents everything we've done that's wrong. We've all sinned. So God says because of sin, and that's the evidence we got an old sinful nature. Why do I do all these bad things? Because you got a sinful nature. It's your nature. Why does a dog bark? It's the nature of the dog to bark. But wouldn't it be a shame to tell the dog, Dog, you stop acting like a dog, and I'll make you a chicken. When can the dog stop acting like a dog? That's why there's preachers that tell people, Stop your sinning. Turn from all of your sin. Don't sin anymore. You're right. Nobody can do that. It's impossible. You can't turn from your sins. Why? It's on the inside. That's the nature that you have. That's why you do all those bad things. You can pick the apples off the tree, but that doesn't change it from being an apple tree. But God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves me. He hates what we do wrong. And for us to pay for this sin is eternal separation from God in hell. And Jesus said, He's looking for the fruits of righteousness, and there aren't any. 
He's looking for perfection. There aren't any. So he says he's going to lay the axe to the root of the tree. It means he cuts down every tree that's not perfect. That's why the wages of sin is death. That's why we're all going to die. And because of that, we're all condemned to hell. So there is no hope for man by man. You can't stop it. You can't change it. You can't help it. You're in a heap of trouble. And this is what God did for us. See, God says he wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect, as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. We've all done things wrong. Nobody's good enough. So God says you cannot save yourself. People have heard about this all their life. Let this hand represent Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he didn't have to be cut down. So why did he die? Well, it's very simple. He took our sins and died in our place. Paid for all of our sins, came back from the dead, and God said that if we would believe, he did it for us. Aren't you glad he didn't tell you to do something hard and complicated? All he says, this is all you have to do to go to heaven, is will you believe that I pay for your sins? You see, if I believe he paid for my sins, I'm not trying to pay for my sins. See, I'm not going to church to try to pay for my sins. You know, if I do enough good, it'll pay for the bad. I'm not giving money to pay for my sins. I'm not trying to pray to pay for my sins. I'm not doing anything to pay for my sins. I'm not doing anything to try to earn my way to heaven. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did. Christ paid for my sins. And if I believe he did it for me, he puts the payment to my account and I go to heaven on what Christ did. You got it? Let's pray, shall we? If you're here this morning and perhaps you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand you don't have to live the life. You don't have to promise to live a Christian life. You don't have to promise God you're going to stop anything or join anything. Friend, that would just make you a religious hypocrite. Christ died for your sins. The only way you'll ever get to heaven is to believe he did it for you. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to give any money. I don't want anything from you. I want you to receive something. You see, the Lord offers you eternal life as a gift. And if you accept it, you would have it. Will you believe it? If you were here this morning and say, Preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. Friend, I'd love to know it. I'd love to have prayer for you. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment to slip your hand up. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense. And you said, that made sense to me, and I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. Is there anyone at all before we close? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down and say, that made sense to me. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I appreciate that. Anyone else? Just slip it up very quickly. Say that may, I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? See, if you trust Christ right now as your Savior, God said he would save you right now, give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you die because he loves you so much. Anyone else before we close? Our Father, we thank you so much for the free gift of eternal life. You love us so much. 
And Lord, I thank you for each one of these that by an uplifted hand have indicated that they would trust Christ as their Savior. We know that when they do so, you promised in your word to give them eternal life and that they would become your child, that you'd never cast them out and never lose them. We thank you so much for all you've done for us and for giving it to us in such a way that we can have it and understand it. It's free and that you'll never take and cast us out, never lose us. And Father, we can know that we're going to heaven. Thank you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.